Well, Merry Christmas. This is uh, our Christmas Sunday on Christmas Eve morning, and uh, we're so thankful that Jesus came, and that when he came, that he came as a little child, a little human baby, and that he, you know, uh, went through the whole birthing process, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And uh, he was subject to like passions or temptations just like we are so that he could be our high priest and he could be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he could be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. So we don't have a high priest um, who's up there interceding on our behalf who doesn't know what it's like to go through what we are going through. In other words, he was touched and he was tempted in all points just like we are. I remember one time, not too long ago, you know, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but that keeps you humble, right? So, you know, probably just maybe like two years ago, I was thinking on this and I thought, you know, Lord, I know Jesus was tempted like in all these areas that I've been tempted in, but he never missed it. Like he never like succumbed to the temptation. Well, I've missed it. I've succumbed to the temptation. And so I was kind of like meditating on this, and I said, Lord, no. You know, it wasn't like in a prayer time, but you know how you're meditating on something, and all of a sudden you start talking to God? And so I said, Lord, now Jesus, I know he was tempted like I was tempted, but he didn't mess up, and I did. And he must not know what that feels like. And then all of a sudden, Scripture came, and I thought, and all of a sudden, I saw, wait a second, when he was on the cross, he became sin. He took all of my sin on him. And at that moment, that's when God, so to speak, had to turn his back on him. He became separated from God. He died spiritually then. And so worse than what I could ever experience, he felt the guilt for sins he didn't do. So yeah, he even knows that. Isn't that amazing? You know, and not mind you get older, what do they say? Like, now not your children, of course, and not my children, but some people's children. When they get into the teenage years, as they, as they grow older and older, sometimes, and it doesn't always have to be this way, so don't have a bad attitude about your kids, even though I'm joking. But sometimes, maybe children all of a sudden think like, I don't know what's up with mom and dad. They used to be so smart, and every year they get dumber and dumber and dumber. (laughs) But then somewhere around like the mid-20s, maybe late-20s, depending on, on the child, all of a sudden mom and dad get smarter and smarter and smarter. (laughs) Well... As I get smarter and smarter and smarter, because then I know my parents are smarter, but as I get smarter, I realize, you know, some people say, well, like, well, the devil is the worst enemy. Well, that's not, I don't know if that's always accurate. I think most of the time we are our own worst enemy. And so if you would have a situation like that where you're, you're thinking, yeah, but I messed up in these temptations and, you know, I know Christ, but he, he's perfect. And then all of a sudden you see this picture of Christ as perfection and you see you as like, you shouldn't even be in the same 
ballpark, really, like complete failure. And what the word that was given to actually give you freedom, the devil takes those and twists it and tries to bring you into bondage. Why? Well, because just like that teenager can do if, if they're not directed in the right way, you get into pride. And so you have those thoughts, but you don't look to the Lord. Our faith life or our life of believing as a believer, by definition, you believe. So we believe specifically God and his word. And so you're in those situations. Well, what faith is, is you're constantly turning away from yourself and turning to the Lord. So even in that situation, think about that. I'm thinking about the temptations, and I'm thinking about what the Word says, and well, yeah, but Jesus never, Jesus never uh, did all this, uh, you know, never succumbed to them. And then I think, yeah, but I did. Maybe, on, maybe the devil helped me think that. I don't know. But anyhow, the thought was there. And, uh, you know, if I'm just looking to myself for the answer to everything, then it would, it would stop there. And there would be like a cap put on my life in that area. Because I'd say, well, yeah, but, you know, da, da, da. But if I look to the Lord, still small voice, he doesn't come like, you know, it was a mighty thunder and great lightnings and rumblings and God wasn't in it. God wasn't in it. But he was in the still small voice. Many times what happens is we allow the, the, the thundering moments in our life to be what captures our attention. And I guarantee you, in the moment of thunder, there is still a still small voice if you just turn and pay attention to it. So my moment of thunder, maybe thunder in this particular example wouldn't be the best example, but the stronger dominating voice appeared to me in my, from my appearance or my perspective is a better way to say it, was like, well, yeah, but Jesus never succumbed to it. But you know, right when that was there, there was, but he took the iniquities of us all and he experienced the same. But it was a still small voice. You know, like Dad Hagen, when he was uh, paralyzed and had, uh, you know, three, really three incurable diseases, he's on the bed of sickness. And uh, when he is there on that bed, the devil began putting thoughts in his mind. You know, after he had gotten born again, He's still paralyzed, and uh, scriptures came to him. The devil brought scriptures, just like he brought scriptures to Jesus. And he said, you know, something, something, prepare yourself, because for today you will surely die. And he thought, oh, today's the day I'm going to die. All of a sudden, came and began to speak to him and give him scriptures concerning health and healing. And, uh, but what happened, one of the, I'm not trying to tell that whole story, but what happened in the midst of this is the devil brought some of these things to him, and then uh, someone uh, said something to him. And when they did, they put, as he said it, they put the light out because it wasn't with the Spirit of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God or the rhema of God or hearing God speak to you. I don't mean, I should explain that. I don't mean like an audible voice. I mean like what I was talking about. I'm, I'm thinking on this and all of a sudden a still small voice or an unction or a little urge or hey, pay attention to this. 
that was the answer. That was my rhema. And as soon as I got that rhema or that word from God that was real to me, that was my ticket out. Because you will know the truth or become intimate with the truth and the truth will make you free or set you free. So so Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one, man or woman, young or old, can come to the Father except through him and by him. And in him, everything has its essence and everything consists and everything is sustained by him and through him. And so this is where we're going today. I'm going to start out uh, the first passage of scripture that I'm going to read is Luke chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 20. And then we're going to go back to Hebrews, which is kind of our scripture text for this series. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when... Quirinius was governor of Syria. There's a bad way you could pronounce that, and I was focusing this morning to make sure I was going to say it right, and I got up here to read it, and I couldn't forget. I couldn't remember. (laughs) So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out to the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now, you know, if you've ever been pregnant, that you're happy when those days are completed for you to be delivered. Now, I don't know personally. I just know from talking to my wife. And, and other friends, you know, they're like, oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready, you know. She's like on that donkey, you know, anyhow. <laughs> Trying to stay balanced. <laughs> I can't get comfortable, Joseph. And she couldn't say, you did this to me. <laughs> She's like, the Lord asked you to do some really hard things. He's asked a hard thing. I thought at the beginning this is great, and now I'm like, oh my. Okay. And she and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country. Shepherds living out in the fields. I will just take a little side journey. I almost didn't do it, but she is like great with child, one translation says. And this just happens to be all of a sudden now there's a census has to be taken. And now this is the time that we have to go back and we have to travel all this way. And this is like the worst possible time for her to be traveling. In fact, nowadays the doctor would say, No, you cannot travel. And sometimes people just honor the doctor. Maybe, Mary, maybe Mary's doctor said no. And she's like, no, this is from God. Forget it. I'm going. He's going to take care of it. But then they go, and there's no place to stay. Like, where am I going to stay? What am I going to do? So it reminded me of um, Paul and Silas when they're 
all preaching the gospel, working for God, doing what God called them to do, and they get locked up and bound up like in the inner prison, in the dungeon, with the rats, with the nasty smells, and um, dark and damp and cold, and at midnight they prayed and sang praises unto God. And so it's interesting, you could read this and Mary could be like, man, I can't believe it. Everything is going wrong. Everything is happening that shouldn't be happening. You know, I'm having to go here and now, now there's no place to stay. And, you know, this, this must not be of God because if this was of God, it would not happen this way. But that's not what she said. But sometimes that's what we say. Verse 8, now they're in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So you go from like great fear to an angel and an angelic being appearing to you saying, this is great joy. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, goodwill, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass and which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had seen as it was told them. I mean, can you get a picture of that day and that moment? I mean, this, this angel's appearing to them and telling them all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, it's like a veil is opened up into the realm of glory, and they say, see these great hosts. Like, um, I was reading one uh, commentary about it, that it was like all of the angels of God, multitude upon multitude, singing and praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. So they're like let in on this picture. Peace, goodwill to men. And so Jesus came to show us the will of the Father and really to show us what God is like. Now let's go uh, pick that thought up over in Hebrews chapter one. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, 
purged our sins. Glory to God. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, you are my son, this day have I begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he will be to me a son. I mean, you're gonna see as we go through this today, God, even in the person of Christ, what he's doing in Christ, he's doing not for Christ, but he's doing for us. He wasn't working on Christ, but he was working in Christ on our behalf. And so even the writer of Hebrews through the Holy Ghost says, it's not like he even has a name like the name of a servant because he's not a servant, he's a son. And when he looks on us, it's not like he looks on us as servants, like, oh, I got more people to serve in my kingdom now to accomplish what I want and what I need. No, he's like, I got another one that now my life and my nature and my goodness and my grace and my mercy can flow into and can flow through. I have another one that is now marked by my spirit. I have another one that now can have fullness of life through the precious blood of my son. The sacrifice is worth it. And again, he brings forth in the first begotten into the world. He says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But under the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. I mean, people have a lot of creative definitions for righteousness, including myself. But you could just call righteousness the favor of God. In other words, Jesus has a scepter of righteousness, and he lets down that scepter and says, I favor you. I favor you. I favor you. I favor you. You have found favor in my sight. Imagine, you know, Esther. How she must have felt going into the presence of the king. And all these people are saying all these things. Well, you're going you're gonna to die if he doesn't do it. He probably won't. That's, this never happened. This doesn't happen. You know, he's ultimate authority. Sometimes we get that mentality about God, and we wonder, is he waiting to smack me? But he has actually already stretched out his scepter of favor upon us, and he says, come on in through Jesus Christ. 
You have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will all perish, but you remain. They will all wax old like a garment. And as a vesture, you will fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for them that are the heirs of salvation? And now I want to read a couple other passages of scripture um, concerning Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Okay, pay attention to that. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Colossians 1.15. He is the image, speaking of Christ, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Then uh, back in Hebrews where we just read, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things. Now listen. Through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and listen, upholding all things by the word of his power, which he had by himself uh, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So what I want us to see today is that in Christ, all things consist and all things exist. And he is the one that holds all things together by the word of his power. And so that Jesus is the reason, not just for the season, But Jesus is the reason for us actually having hope in this life and not just hope in this life, but Jesus through him and by him and with him is the only way to actually live life. You can exist and you can have blood pumping through your, that to be honest, and you can have air going through your lungs. And even that, to be honest, is sustained by Christ himself. But you can be in that condition and you can have what they call a good job and a good status and you live in a good area, what's so-called. But you can actually be void of life. Because without him who created all things, without him by which all things consist, without being close or intimate with him or even one with him, you can't have that life. 
You're alienated from the very life of God or separated from the very life of God. And you are out of the will of God. Because God's will is not for you to be separated from that life. God's will is not for you to be off on your own. And you may be in that condition right now. And you may think, well, well, well yeah, but I try to do good and I try to be this and I try to be that. That is not the will of God concerning you that you try to do this and you try to do that and you work for this and you work for that because Jesus Christ himself is the free gift of God that brings us to salvation or brings us close with God or brings us into favor with God. And so there is nothing that you could do. In fact, you shouldn't try to bring yourself close to God. All we do is we look to Jesus and we receive and accept him and what he has done. And then the gifts and the blessings of God flow. All of a sudden, you read in Galatians about the, the, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. That is the fruit of the born-again Spirit, recreated in the likeness and image of God. And the fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are produced when you become a believer. And so if we ever find ourselves trying to produce those even as a believer... That should be our first indication. I am not living by faith. In other words, I'm not living by my belief in what Christ has done. I always go this way. That's why I changed. I am living by the belief in what I have done and what I have accomplished. In other words, let's just take self-control. Okay, I'm going to have self-control and do all this, and I'm not going to do this. And Okay, I set this up, and I, I got all that, but I'm not looking to Christ. He's my only ticket to self-control. I can try and work and, and set up all these safeguards, and you should set up safeguards. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying seek first the kingdom of God. Look to Christ, and he will invigorate you with that self-control. He will invigorate you with the very faith of God. You understand, like faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. One translation says faith is awakened by hearing the word of God. Jesus said, have the faith of God. Well, how are you going to tap into the faith of God? How are you going to do that? Well, you actually do it by faith. <laughs> He's given to every man the measure of faith. Okay, and faith is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. So if you've been recreated, man, you got the faith of God. It's a matter of what you're using. And where we miss it is we start to try to use natural human faith. Well, I can do this. I don't, I don't need that. You know, it's a, it's a, I heard Jeremy say, yeah, back there, so I'll pick on him. But you know, it's kind of a thing we've had going for years, Jeremy and I, where it's kind of like, do you need help with that? No, I got it. I got it. You know, and the other one will do the opposite thing. I don't know if that's a guy thing or what. But you know, that thing will like, that mentality will creep over into your walk with God. Because, do you, no, no, this is, this is not big enough to, to, to involve the Lord. I can handle it on my own. Well, that's just kind of as going this direction, changing to, it's like self-will and self-accomplishment. And you know, uh, it's easy to slip into that if you don't constantly look to Christ.
and constantly hold on to Christ. In him, all things consist. In him, I, I like what Paul said, in him I live and move and breathe and have my being. What's he saying? That's where I have life. That's where I come alive. That's where I see clear. That's where I know the things of God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. One, one translation says, if any man be in union with Christ or be united to Christ, well, that's where you have freedom. That's where you're a new creature. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul actually talks about that, you know, though uh, we live in this world, we don't war according to this world. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to, through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And it's real easy because we live in the flesh and we live in the realm of the senses. And, you know, if somebody uh, had just baked brownies in the hallway, the smell would start coming in and probably everybody would lose attention for a second. They'd be like... What was that? What was that? Because all this, we, we, hopefully everybody has senses. I mean, we, we live in the realm of senses. And so you respond to those. But we're never to put those first. We're to bring everything into subjection to the word of God. Lest when we have like told others about Christ, we ourselves should find ourselves like just going off somewhere else, right? So we have... Uh, faith in God, and we live by our faith in God, and it is through Jesus Christ. He has made the purchase with his own precious blood, and he has made the way himself. He himself took our sicknesses and took our infirmities, and as we read just over here in Hebrews, uh, he himself purged our sins. That does not mean that he himself uh, forgave our sins, although he did. It means he removed them utterly and entirely so that they no longer exist. The only place that they exist is in the mind of the devil and your own unrenewed mind. They don't even exist in your renewed mind. They have been removed. Even the blood of Jesus not only forgives you of sin, not only cleanses you of the act of sin, but it actually removes the very consciousness of sin so that you're no longer even conscious that you have sinned. So you're no longer walking around like half, you know, nobody else can tell, but uh, you just have this little thing on your shoulder because you're conscious of this uh, failing that you have made. The blood of Jesus cleanses us even to the very conscious that we no longer have to be conscious of our sins. But how does that happen? Well, you become so conscious of the blood of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus and so conscious of who you are in Christ. So if you look at yourself in Christ, you look at who you are and what you look like, you look just like Christ. You become one spirit with him. So you're no longer looking at what you have done like, you're so good, pat yourself on the back, and you're no longer looking at what you've done. Like, oh, man, I messed that up again. I messed it up every single time. I keep messing in that area. Well, you're looking at the wrong thing. You have to look at Christ. 
In him, all things exist and consist. And he is the head of all things. And by him, all things. And with him, all things. So our problem is that we're trying to look at things apart from him. Hello. Let's look at uh, a little closer at Hebrews chapter one, verse three. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. We started this a little bit last week. Ooh, I'm gonna have to finish. The express image of his person is like a stamp or an impress. So that you take a stamp and exactly what's on that stamp comes out when you stamp it. It's like a mold, and exactly what you pour into that mold, exactly every detail of that mold comes out in there, so much so that when they mess up the mold and they're printing at the mint and they're printing coins, they print a certain number before they realize something's wrong with the mold. And if you can get one of those coins, it's so valuable. Why? It's an exact impress of that mistake. Well, Christ is an exact impress of God himself. But instead of in a metal, it's in human flesh. So we could see exactly what God was like so that God wouldn't be some far off away uh, idea, but he would be right here among us, right here with us. And we could look and we could see him. That, that impress that he is, it's the very image of his substance. Jesus is the very image of the substance of God. And he is personally distinct from God and yet literally equal to him and to his essence. He is the express image of the person of God. So when we want to know what God is like, and you think, well, the Lord wants me to do this and this and this and this and this. I say, look at Jesus. How did he live and what did he do? And you'll see what God is like. Does Jesus seem vengeful? Does he seem really hard to please? I think I've been thinking a lot the last few days about this, this woman taken in the very act of adultery. And I, I, I thought, like, well, look at Christ. What was his response to that? His response was kind of like, uh, why do you glory as if you, re- you, you did something special because um, what do you have that you have not received? In other words, he said, There's no sin but what's common to man. In other words, what he said was, how about the one that is without sin, you throw the first stone. They're like, okay. Oh, I dropped my stone. I dropped my stone. I dropped my stone. That is the exact imprint of God. In other words, when you mess up or when I mess up, 
God's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, that is a human flesh problem. Common to all. That I sent my son and I fixed the problem. I canceled it. I saw the condition of man even before he was created and I knew it was gonna be an issue. So before I created man, I actually saw Christ as a lamb slain from the foundation of the earth because I wanted mankind to be with me and to be intimate with me forever. So then he says, whoever is without sin, you cast the first stone. He was the only one there who could have cast a stone. But he's the express image of God. And God is good and God does good. And God favors you. And he has good plans for you. And he thinks a lot of you because he gave his, the life of his only son for you. She said, there's none left. What did he say? Woman, where are your accusers? She said, there's none left. Neither do I condemn you. That was the voice of Christ. It was the ex exact impress of God. So on earth, the anointed one of God and in the very throne of heaven, she was found not guilty. That was before the blood of Christ actually was shed but he was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So then he said, go and sin no more. That's what God is like. Talk about giving you the benefit of the doubt and loving you and you know, going overboard for you. There is none that goes more overboard than Christ. If, if, if the knowledge of this ever begins to dawn on your spirit, you will not be able to contain the joy and the rejoicing and the glory because you have been favored of God himself and you have been brought near to the creator of the universe by the blood of Jesus, by the life of Christ, and you have actually been given the life of God himself. Glory to God. I better finish. <laughs> the problem when you move stuff in your notes is you move stuff in your notes. The basic idea is that Jesus Christ alone brings to men and women the full revelation of God and that he alone enables us to enter into the very presence of God. In Jesus, God has entered humanity. Eternity has invaded time and things can never be the same again. Because... Over 2,000 years ago, in a little stable in a manger, God came in the form of that little child, and time was forever touched, and humanity was forever changed. 
there's only one thing to do, and that is to believe and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Sometimes what we do is we uh, have received him as our Savior, and maybe even at that moment we received him as our Lord, but then we let the cares of this life come in, um, the pressures that come, try to drive out that Jesus taught us in the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word of God. And so we hear the word of God, but then things of this world and this life do everything that they can to try and steal that word away, try and take that word away. Why? There is power and life in that word. It will affect your situation. It'll affect you personally. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your job. And if the pressures can get so strong that they'll cause you to look away from Christ and look to something else. Just like when Peter got out of the boat, all of a sudden, he's like, he was probably like, whoa, look at this. Glory to God, I'm walking on the water. And he's like, those are big waves and I'm walking and, whoa, those are big waves. And I'm, and he began to sink. He became more conscious of the natural. Well, like this isn't possible. This shouldn't be happening. Rather than with God, all things are possible. It's not possible with man, but with God, it's possible. He took his eye off the word. You know, Jesus spoke the word. He said, tell me to come and I'll come. Jesus said, come. On that one word, four-letter word in English, he stepped out. So much power in one word from God. So what's the one word that the Lord is speaking to you right now? It may be different for each and every individual. but he has a word for you. And that word, if you honor it and don't let the pressures and things going on, you know, it's Christmas Eve, you got lots of things you got to do, you're probably like, stop, I got to go. <laughs> you stop already. Those very things are the things that the devil will utilize to get you away from the blessings of the Lord. And then when you start to get away, you forget. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to get back. I need to get back. Yeah, yeah, I need to, yeah, I need to do that. But, but, but I got to do this. I got to do this. I, I'm this. I, 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 I. Instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and he's the finisher. And in him, all things consist. So the answer to your situation is in him. The answer to fullness of life is in him. The answer to all things is actually in him. Even if you have like this amazing, amazing uh, what do you call it, engineering scientific job where you got to like design and you're an inventor and a creator. He created all things and by him all things consist. This is very practical. It is all through him and by him. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning or you're online and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you may know about him, 
You may have heard of things. You may know about the word. I'm talking about you personally know Jesus Christ, that you personally talk with him and he talks with you, not in an audible voice, an inward witness, that you have been born again. If you do not know that you are born again, that Jesus is your Lord and is your Savior, then I want to invite you to come down here and I'll pray with you and for you. I'm not going to save you. It's actually you believing that and declaring it. And in that instant, you are born again. If you're online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to email us at info at anchordc.org. We'd love to pray with you and to pray for you. God loves you. And he has a plan for your life that goes beyond your wildest dreams and your wildest imaginations. He has a plan for your life to help you, to prosper you, and to bring you near unto him. That your life can go beyond a simple 90 to 100 years, but have impacts for the kingdom for ages to come. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is alive, and that your word lives in us. Father, we say that we live in you and let your words live in us. Use us, Father. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding. Flood them with light, light that only you could give, light that only you could bring. Father, I pray, everyone under the sound of my voice, that you'll give us words to speak, even in this season and even in this time. that your will can be done in the life of every person that we have influence on, that we have contact with, that your love would flow through us. Help us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, that you've called us to bless and not to curse, that we speak words of blessing, words of hope, that when we enter a room and we enter a place, as we travel, as we see family and friends, as we're amongst our normal comings and goings, that your very peace would penetrate and pervade our, pervade us, would be amongst us, would be around us. Father, that we carry your life and your love and your peace everywhere we go. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus, for his life, for his love, for your mercy. Thank you that you're a good God, that you're not evil, that your thoughts toward us are so good, so full. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and thank the Lord. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you for your good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, Father, you are great. All of your ways are great. All of your thoughts. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Your word is more precious more precious to us than anything of this world, more precious to us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God.